Welcome to the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast. I'm Cody Fields, the president of the Noseminster family of guitar effects. You can check us out at westminstereffects.com, and I am here with... This is Bradley Cox, lead pastor at Resurrection Church in Greer, South Carolina. And Lutheran John is not with us today, so we're just going to wing it ourselves. Uh, So, Bradley, we started a series going through a few, not all of the Psalms, that would take like three years or something. At least. At least, uh, especially with 119, right? Uh, exactly. That would, that would be like three months in itself, I guess. Uh, but we started off with Psalm 96. So one, why are we going through Psalms? And two, I guess, why did we start with Psalm 96? Well, the Psalms, I, I, I love the Psalms and I, I think they... They play a very important role um, in the life of a believer. Um, they, they occupy a really, really awesome space in Scripture where, you know, I, I think, you know, it, the Christian life, <clears throat> you know, our experience with the Lord um, is not just, it's, it's not just about information. It's not just about learning. It is about those things. We learn about God. We grow in the grace and knowledge of God as Paul would say, but it's also about feeling. It's also about emotion. I think, you know, for, for Jesus, when he wrote the letter to the Ephesians in Revelation 2, he said, it essentially says, you know, you're, you're doing all these good things. You're following all the rules. You're not putting up with for false doctrine. Uh, but I have this against you. You've abandoned the love you've had for me at first. And so I take that to mean that Jesus doesn't want um, an emotionless relationship with us and the Psalms, you know, they're songs, they're poems, they're meant Mm -hmm. to make us feel. And one of the things I said on Sunday is I think that the Psalms not only invoke emotion, but they actually instruct our emotion. They help us feel discouraged well, as weird as that Mm -hmm. sounds. The Psalms can help us feel discouraged well. The Psalms can help us navigate and feel uh, through a season of brokenheartedness well. And they can also instruct us in, in an emotional way about our gratitude and our praise and our thanksgiving to God. And so that's maybe just a little bit about why we're doing a few weeks in the Psalms. And we started with Psalm 96. Um, I, I, I don't know if I have a, a really good reason for that being the first one. You flipped open your Bible and that was the first one it came to, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, I was doing one of those like, uh, you know, Bible roulette things where you just, you know, I, I, I love Psalm 96 because of its missional emphasis and, um, and the, specifically the way that it speaks about the mission uh, of making God's beauty and worth known among the nations. And so, I, I don't know, I just felt like that was a great place to start. Well, I guess it would uh, maybe be a good idea to read it. I guess I can do that. Sure. Uh, oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, he is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him, strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name, bring an offering, and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. 
Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. Amen. <laughs> well, I mean, we could pretty much just stop right there, right? That's right. Uh, it's there, there's, there's a lot there. And I think, um, you know, one of the first things to do when you read a Psalm is, you know, let's try to get the main point. Um, and the main point, I think, um, is really twofold. One is that the Lord is really that great. Mm-hmm. Um, he is beautiful. He is marvelous. Uh, splendor and majesty are before him. We are to tremble before him. Um, we are to ascribe worth to him. And you know, one of the ways we do that is bringing an offering. Um, we, we ascribe worth to him. We make his worth known in that way. Um, and that's really the second part is that God is not only beauty, uh, beautiful and glorious and wonderful and majestic, but he wants that to be known. Uh, right. And he wants that to be mo- known among all the nations. And anytime we see nations in scripture, we're not talking about political states like China or Germany uh, or the United States. It, when, when the Bible speaks of nations, it's talking about peoples. It's talking about ethno-linguistic people groups, cultures, languages, uh, which, you know, you can do a little research on the internet and I recommended the Joshua project.net on Sunday. Mm-hmm. We'll uh, throw that in the show notes too. Yeah. Which it, you'll find that there are over 17,000 ethno-linguistic people groups on planet earth right now, about 7.6 billion individuals. And so what the Psalm is saying, and, and we can now put, we can put some numbers to that. Mm-hmm is make the Lord's greatness known among every last one yes. of those 17,000 plus people groups on planet earth. That, that's the mission. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're, not, we're, not just, we're not just meant to enjoy God's beauty for ourselves. We are. We, we do enjoy God's beauty and his worth and his glory. That, that is, I think, the chief end of man is to enjoy God forever. Mm-hmm. But the mission is to make our enjoyment of him known, make our joy in him because of his glory known among all the peoples of the earth. Right. And one of the, the lines that you used Sunday was that this was a singing mission. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not just a, hey, let's put on a white shirt and a black tie and ride around on a bike and <laughs> and sweat profusely while we try and right. throw literature at people it's there there is a joy to this it's it's you're letting people in on the enjoyment it's it's not hey here's how you can cross your t's and dot your i's and get your bills paid or get out of hell free it's there is joy here there is there's life right this is this is the picture of the fanatic riding down main street <laughs> with his flags waving, yep. his face painted, his horn blowing, celebrating that his team has won the Super Bowl. Right. And inviting everybody he possibly can to join in his bliss or her bliss. This is, this is 
this is not an obligatory, okay, let me find some time in my schedule to go tell somebody about Jesus. Right. This is sing for joy and beckon every last person you possibly can to join in the song, to join in your bliss, to do- join in your joy. This is, this is a singing mission uh, in, 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 in a very real sense. I mean, you know, that we, we can obviously take that as a metaphor, mm-hmm. but, you know, and, and I, and I think that, yeah, it, it's, it, we, we don't just walk across the street and start singing to our neighbor like we're in a big musical. That'd be a little weird. It would be a little weird, but I think singing is, is the best way to capture the kind of joy. Mm-hmm. You know, if I told you, Cody, to, to go out and sing, you know, about the road construction taking place on Interstate 85 and 385 and Woodruff Road right now. <laughs> I mean, you would look at me like I was crazy. But if I mean, if, we, we could probably make a pretty legit angry metal song about it. There but. you go. There you go. <laughs> but if I if I told you, know, if, if you had won the lottery and, and, and all your debts were paid and you never had anything to worry about for the rest of your life and and you. And I said, go out and, and let your joy be known. That would make more sense to you. Mm-hmm. And the, the gospel and what's, what's, what's happened for us, the fact that we have, we, we've seen and we've tasted that the Lord is great. It should be a natural, natural thing for overflowing, overwhelming joy to give way to singing. Mm-hmm singing and making his worth known and inviting everybody we possibly can to join the song. You know, I, I do appreciate the uh, the sports analogy <laughs> where, I mean, you think of college football season is right around the corner. Yep. And pretty much everybody around here is about to lose their mind over that. That's right. And, and we're, we're both lifelong Clemson fans. Mm-hmm. And when when we hear Tiger Rag, we know exactly when to start spelling out our team's name. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and it, it also reminded me, I went uh, with a couple friends several months ago uh, to the Gospel Coalition's MLK 50 conference. And I know there's been criticism of, of a lot of what was said there, and some of it rightfully so, but there were also some really good things said there. And I, if I remember correctly, it, it was uh, Eric Mason who is from Philadelphia and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, he was talking about, you know, how silly it was in in one regard when, uh, when the Eagles were in the Super Bowl and everybody's wearing these jerseys with somebody else's name on the back. Um, But how at the same time, when they won the Super Bowl and all these different people are outside going ballistic <laughs> over the fact that somebody else won a game for them and they're wearing that guy's shirt. And he said that it was basically representative uh, in some way to him of Revelation where you've got every tribe, tongue, and nation because it did not matter what someone's ethnicity was, whether they were Hispanic or black or white or what have you. It was they were all Eagles fans, bless their hearts since they're Philadelphia sports fans and that's another topic for another time, Mm -hmm. but (laughs) yeah, uh, I do hate the Phillies by the way. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Especially like that, that 08 to to 2010 ish stretch, man, that just hurt me uh, in numerous ways as a Braves fan. But, uh, but anyway, how, how cool that was where, 
somebody else won the game for them, obvious mm-hmm. parallel to Jesus, and they're sharing that. Mm-hmm. Like it's they're not keeping it a secret. It's we actually give a crap about what happened just now. Mm-hmm. Well, and if, if you think about it, it makes perfect sense. I think right. the, the the greatest joy is experienced in admiration. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I know of at least, you know, on this earth, there, there just aren't many things more sweet and more wonderful than watching my children learn how to do things and do them mm-hmm. well and, and just admiring them. And why, why do I go to a college football game or any other athletic event? Why do I go to a museum and look at amazing art? Or why do I go to a concert and listen to amazing music? I do that not for the benefit of the artist, right? not for the benefit of the athlete. I, I do it for myself, for my joy. Mm-hmm. Because I enjoy admiring them. And what greater joy could there be than admiring the most admirable? Right. We, we enjoy seeing somebody throw 98 and then break off an 85-mile-an-hour curveball making a batter look like an idiot. Right, because <laughs> it's amazing. Or we enjoy – Kristen and I just went to uh, the final Warped Tour run last week. And we enjoyed seeing some guys play some guitar riffs that we will never be able to pull off. <laughs> like it's it's just so mm-hmm. far beyond our musical capacity. Mm-hmm. It's it's well they you know the musicians did get something out of it. You know they were grateful that we were there and mm-hmm. all that kind of thing. But the what it did for us paled in comparison to what it did for them. Yeah, there's just no comparison. Well, you know I I uh, <clears throat> you know if we're gonna connect this singing and mission thing together Mm -hmm. what we're really what the psalm is talking about is a it's mission that flows from worship it flows from joy it flows from admiration of god and who he is and that's why we sing and that's why we declare that's why we tell of his salvation from day to day it's genuine it's authentic I, i just um met with my staff earlier today and we read from first Peter five where he Peter talks about, look, you know, I exhort you when he really could have commanded them. You know, he's an apostle, but he's like, mm-hmm. I, I'm exhorting you. I'm encouraging you. Don't domineer over your people. Uh, don't don't lead for selfish gain. Um, you know, be authentic and lead by example is essentially what he's saying there in first Peter chapter five. And one of the things I told my staff was I said, if we're going to lead people to serve in this church for the sake of Christ's kingdom, we've just got to bleed, genuinely bleed the joy that mm-hmm. we have in serving God. We're not going to, we're not going to, you know, guilt people into being a part. We're not going to condemn people into being a part. We're not going right. to domineer over people and, and invite them in. No, we, what, what's contagious is joy. And that's why I say it's a singing mission that Psalms 98 is talking about, or 96, excuse me, is talking about, is that it's, it, we're beckoning people to join in the joy. Um, right. But I think another critical piece here um, is that at the same time, there is a warning uh, that goes along with this song, this missional song that we sing to the Lord, that's something we could talk about also. Um, yeah, let's go ahead and touch on that too. Okay, is, is right. singing to God. Yeah, it's it's personal. Mm-hmm. It's 
I'm not in, in in living out this singing mission. I'm not coming up to you, Cody, and t- t- singing to you or talking to you about God. Not that that's bad. Right. But that there's not a place. There's, for, there's definitely a place for that. Definitely singing, a place for you know, that. Addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. But this is personal. This is to the Lord. This is not the Lord. He is great. This is Lord. You are great. Right. And one of the things I, examples I gave on Sunday was there's a big difference in me telling someone about my love for my wife versus me actually looking her in the eye mm-hmm. and someone hearing me or listening in on me telling her directly about how much I love her and how much right. of a treasure she is to me. Um, that's there, there, I think that's even more impactful. And so I think that's why it talks about sing to, to the Lord a new song. Um, what, what does that mean? I, I don't think it's new in the sense that, um, there's new revelation about God that outside of scripture mm-hmm. that anybody is getting, we're not going to sing a new song because somebody had a dream or a vision, uh, that in any way is adding to what we can know about God and understand about right. God from the context of scripture. It's new be- because it's freshly experienced. This is not a person who's singing about what God did 10 years ago and how I felt then. This is a person that's singing and telling others, uh, singing to the Lord and inviting others to join in on how God's goodness, God's mercy, God's grace, God's beauty, God's power is being experienced right now. Uh, It's fresh in that way. Um, So that's why I think it's sing to the Lord a new song. Right. And it, and you know, it, it, outright says all the gods of the peoples are worthless uh and it says hey you need to tremble before god (laughs) uh which is lost i mean i think we don't want to we don't want to pass over that is you know where 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 is the fear of god in the church today right the the proclamation of law and gospel is definitely lost these days yeah and, and even just god's holiness yeah god's otherness god's distinctness there's no one like him i had a a friend uh, just last week who was sharing with me that he went and visited uh, a new church that he and his family moved to a new city. They're looking for a new um, community to join. Uh, And they went and visited a church and, you know, not to be overly negative, but I think the worship leader stood up and uh, the opening prayer was, you know, God, let, let your love come hang out with us today. And Hmm. again, not, I don't want to be overly negative. That's not my heart, but I don't like that. Yeah. I don't, it I, I th- sit right. there's something missing there. And I think that something is, you know, the Psalm says, worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Just the amazing reality that there is no one like God. There's no one higher. There's no one greater. There's no one more powerful, more strong, more wise, more beautiful than God. He is in a category all by himself and being so overwhelmed by that. So in awe of that, that you tremble, right? That you're like, I'm not even sure I want to open my mouth right now. That gets lost in worship. And I think, I think it's a vital part of worship that spills over into mission yeah and you you referenced uh in 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 a cross reference to verse nine you also referenced isaiah six if you want to talk about that a little bit is isaiah just realizing 
exactly how jacked up he is when he was confronted by a holy God. It's probably one of my favorite passages um, in Scripture. Just, I, I don't know, Isaiah, I think, it just invites us into this incredible experience in a way that is so tangible and real. He, you know, I, I think God peeled back the veil between time and eternity, and he saw the Lord. In Isaiah chapter 6, he saw the Lord high and lifted up, train fills the temple, the seraphim, all the wings, the song is there, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Um, and Isaiah sees all of this, and I, th- I think if I were to put it to my own words, I should not be here. Right. Woe is me. I am lost. I am undone. I'm among a people uh, that are lost and undone. I have unclean lips. And God sends the angel with the coal from the altar, touches his lips. Your guilt and your sin has been taken away, um, which is a picture, just this beautiful picture of what Christ does for us. It's really, I think, a picture of the experience of salvation. I think genuine salvation has both of those elements there, just the the opening of blinded eyes to the holiness of God and in the wake of that, an awareness of our unholiness. And then to hear the good news that Christ paid to make unholy people holy before God, to make unrighteous people righteous, that is salvation in and of itself. Right, and that's that's so lost on so many American Christians is understanding just how sinful, just how messed up we are. Uh, I listened to a, a sermon by a very famous pastor. I won't mention his name at the moment, uh, but basically it was just like, yeah, come to Jesus. He'll make your life better. You know, he'll, he'll, I mean, it was just like, he'll cure you of, loneliness and having your tank empty and all this kind of stuff and there was no proclamation of sin and repentance at all which is vital to a gospel proclamation the gospel is not god loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life which that plan for your life might be you suffer uh, on the mission field and you end up getting your head cut off by people who don't want to hear it (laughs) well i think one of the most deadly lies in the church is this notion that God loves me just the way I am. Mm-hmm. And we've, we've got we've to step back from that statement and go, what are we really saying there? Because if God loves me just the way I am, I don't need a transformative gospel. Right. I don't need the cross. I don't need Christ to suffer in my place. I don't need to be made new. The truth of the matter is God loves me he, he loves me uh, through Christ, and I am made righteous. He doesn't love me the way I, just the way I am. He, he, in, in his love for me, he transforms me in, from a child of wrath to a child of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that, that transformational piece does get lost, and I think, um, yeah, we, we do need to celebrate the love of God, but we need to recognize that his love for us is not based on some intrinsic value that we have. Uh, his love for us is based in his, his incredible, overwhelming desire that he has to make his glory 
known. Right. To, for, we're going to spend eternity praising his glorious grace, not that we somehow got our act together and made it there. We really don't like to talk about it in, in these terms in the church these days, but, I mean, the Bible also says that God hates sinners. That, uh, that'll get you run out of most churches. The astounding thing about Romans 9 is not that God hated Esau, it's that he loves anybody, mm-hmm. uh, especially enough to sacrifice his own son mm-hmm. for anybody because we, I mean, we're just a bunch of morons rebelling against their creator yeah. <laughs> who knows way better and is worth way more than anything we're chasing. Well, you know, insert another Psalm here. Psalm 8, you know, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You've set your glory above the heavens. You, you defeat your enemies with the voice of infants and babies. And, and then here comes the question. You know, he also says you, the universe is the work of your fingers. Mm-hmm. You know, what you, 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 everybody knows that the, the work you do with fingers is light work. You pick up pencils, you right. button your shirt. So the universe was light work for God. <laughs> Here's a little taste of what I'm like. And he flings the universe into existence with a flick of his finger. And so you get, you get your mind around all of that. You start to feel that. And then here comes the question in Psalm 8. What is man that you are mindful of him? Mm-hmm. Why would you even give him a thought? And you have to go there. You have to ask that question in order to experience and know the joy of salvation and the love of God in Christ for the sinners, the unrighteous people who are made righteousness, right, made righteous because of God's sovereign redemptive plan to make his glory and worth known by saving unrighteous people by grace through faith. That's just, it's astounding. And that, that experience for Isaiah, when, when, when his sin is taken away and, and the coal has touched his lips, the question rings out from the throne of God, you know, who will go for us? Who, whom, whom shall we send? And I, and I imagine Isaiah being like the, 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 the young student in fourth grade when the teacher poses the question and he or she knows the answer and their hand flies up into the air as far as their little arm <laughs> and shoulder will allow it to go and they go, ooh, 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 me, me, me. That's what I picture Isaiah doing when he says, here am I, Lord. Yeah. Send me. I'll go. I'll sing. I'll, I'll tell of your salvation from day to day. I'll, I'll bless your name in all the earth among the peoples and among the nations. And we know, we know the call of God uh, on Isaiah's life specific to Israel. But it, I think it, it is the, the kind of response that every believer should have um, in when it comes to mission, it, when it comes to this worship of God spilling over into mission. Now, what you're not saying is that every believer absolutely has to drop everything right this moment and go to Cambodia. No, no. And I think that's a great point. I, I think, you know, maybe we could say it this way is that, you know, many people, many Christians, believers, they're called to be faithful 
homemakers, businessmen or women, students, neighbors, um, and they're called to go and sing in within a 15, 20 mile radius of their home. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're, we're, we're, we're called to go across the street. We're called to go into the next office or across the hall in our dormitory um, or to the person we're standing in line beside in Starbucks and we're to sing to the Lord and make him known for the sake of those people who, you know, need to know that God really is that great. And this great God, as the Psalm says, is coming to judge the earth. And so, no, I don't think everybody's called to go, but some are. And, and, and there may be some listening into this podcast that are called to uproot their lives right, and go to another ethno-linguistic people group. Um, and, and in fact, I hope and pray that there are people listening to this podcast that are called to do that because, um, you you spend a, l- a little bit of time on the Joshua project and you realize that of the 17,000 or so people groups on planet earth, more than 7,000 of them are categorized as significantly unreached. So that, that means that there are anywhere from zero to less than 2% identifying as evangelical Christian in those some 7,000 people groups and 85 of those unreached people groups are actually here in the United States. Mm. So how does that even even work just briefly? Um, we're in the economic and information capital of the world. How do 85 people groups go totally unreached? Well, I think we, we, we one thing, we need to wake up to the fact that, you know, America, I think I heard John Piper say this the first time, America and Europe are not the center of gravity when it comes to missions anymore and right. sending. That's, everything's shifted uh, south and east to Asia, mm-hmm. Latin America, Africa. I think South Korea right now is sending out more missionaries per capita than any other country in the world. Yeah. That, may, I, that, that stat's probably a, a few years old, but that may still be the case. It's, it, how are 85 unreached people groups in the United States of America? That blows my mind. But the, the church in America has, and there's all kinds of tangents that we could go on here, but Christians in America, there's no notion. It sounds strange to us that we would go and suffer with joy for the sake of the singing mission of making God's glory and greatness known among unreached people groups. That sounds strange to us. What, what suffer, uproot, move, go past my front yard, make an effort, you know, past my comfort and convenience or at the expense of my comfort and convenience to make God's glory and worth. That's a strange notion, notion to many Christians in America. And that's really, really sad. It's tragic. Um, there probably aren't strong enough words to even adequately describe that, that we have just become that soft. And, and you, you, you spend some time on a, on a site like the voice of the martyrs and you, you read about Christians that are giving their lives right now for the gospel. Um, and you know, we have churches on every corner here in the Bible belt. It's really a sad thing. Um, and, and we need to wake up. Um, but we, we, what my heart on Sunday and living in Psalm 96 was that, you know, 
as we wake up and as we our eyes are opened to the urgency and the scope of the mission, we don't need to go in guilt. We don't need to go in obligation. We don't need to go under compulsion. Mm-hmm. We must go in joy. And so my encouragement is, if you read Psalm 96 and you don't feel exhilarated, then fall to your knees and ask the Lord of heaven and earth to restore to you the prayer that David prayed, restore to you the joy of your salvation. Get back to singing first. Yeah. And then go across the street and sing or around the globe as the Lord leads. So I guess one last question to wrap this up. If the world is established and shall never be moved, that means it's flat, right? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I had to. I Good had to. grief. There, I've, I've actually Facebook friends with a couple flat earthers. That always gets entertaining. I'll leave that alone. It, yeah, we'll, we'll leave that alone. <laughs> uh, go listen to more Hugh Ross or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> recommended reading for the singing mission. What do you got for us? All right, I'm going to recommend um, Knowing God by J.I. Packer. Oh, there we go. Um, Two Packer picks this week. Yeah, I, it's been a long time since I read this book, and, and I was just refreshing myself a little bit with it. Um, but I think Packer, you know, we talk about Piper a lot. Um, and I, I love John Piper because of his emphasis on just the joy of knowing God. And I mm-hmm. think Packer is another guy that... Very Edwardian. Yeah, exactly, exactly. There, it, it, he captures that. And, you know, I, Paul prays, you know, that for the Ephesians, that they would grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think it's just knowing God by J.I. Packer is one of those books that it, it's 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 informative about God, but it is always helping us and pointing us towards that that glad-hearted affection that it's, it's supposed to be the natural byproduct of mm-hmm. knowing God and understanding his attributes and his ways. And so I think that's a... I read that book on a sabbatical that I took about six years ago. Okay, yeah. And I, it, I'd, you know, I've been in ministry for a long time, and um, and my goal has actually been to take a a little sabbatical every five years, and and but that was really the first sabbatical that I ever took, and I, I picked up that book, and it was just so refreshing. Yeah. In a peer, in a season of. Of, of, find, of, of trying to find some rest and then realizing my rest is yet again realizing in a fresh way again that's why the songs knew my rest is in him my joy is in him knowing him is my rest and so that's a great book and on top of that you just can't help but read everything J.I. Packer writes in his voice <laughs> absolutely absolutely <laughs> if one I, of the best voices if ever. I had to choose somebody to narrate my life it would I would basically have to have J.I. Packer and Vin Scully fight it out. <laughs> or Liam Nielsen. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't think I could go that route. Go I, that just, route. I just love Vin Scully that much. I got you. Um, and then obviously Packer, like I could just listen to him read a phone book. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. So my recommended reading this week, I actually picked this up at Second and Charles over the weekend. I went in saying... I won't really get anything. We're really here for the wife. And then she didn't get anything. And I walked out with seven books. 
Um, so this is J.I. Packer's Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God uh, for obvious reasons. Uh, we are responsible and God is sovereign and go sing about him to your neighbor. <laughs> so uh, before we get to our outro song, if you're actively writing and performing music and would like to be an official Westminster artist, and even get your song played at the end of one of these podcasts fill out our application at westminstereffects.com this is actually a pretty cool happening that happened this week is uh, Westminster artist Mike Rupp in Spartanburg sent me a Facebook message last week saying hey how soon can I get a shirt and a chick delay Uh, where I've done some custom stuff for him in the past and he's like I'm doing a video shoot turns out it was for Bugera amps and uh, so that was pretty cool. That's so, awesome. Yeah, so uh, in celebration of that, you could say, <laughs> uh, listen here to Live It by his band Saving Darkness. You can find them on YouTube, Facebook, and Spotify, and we'll put uh, an Amazon affiliate link to the Bugera G5 Infinium head that he was playing through. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram, subscribe on iTunes and Spotify, and leave us a five-star review. Thanks for listening.